Hello and welcome to Women Travel, a podcast about the places women have been and the things they did there. We're looking back at an older episode with Katie Meyer from Montana as she visits Spain and we discuss all of the erotic zones explored there. Can you give me a summary of what you did? Yeah, so this was through the university I'm currently attending. I was curious to research whether or not parts of your urban everyday could be considered fine art. So, like, could architecture and uh, street signs and things that, like, have designers but you don't really think about it, can it be taken and made into fine art? So I decided to focus specifically on manhole covers, and I don't know if you've ever, like... Yeah, why 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 that? <laughs> um there's this artist in Germany called the Rob Jukurin, which is, translates as pirate printer or like thief printer. Mm-hmm. Um and she takes she like makes impressions on t-shirts and she travels all over Europe um and does that and that's where I initially got the idea of oh I want to compare like here and then I want to go to Europe and I want to look at it. And like once you start once you like start thinking about it, you like can't get them out of your head like Hopefully after this podcast, you'll like walk out and you'll be like, oh, look at that manhole cover. It's got like flowers on it. And that one has like a horse on it. And like, it's just things that you miss in your everyday that are also art, but you're just not paying attention. Huh. Like, um, I've noticed trains in them sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, And they're actually more beautiful in Europe. We're kind of boring in America. Surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, where was the most beautiful manhole cover? (laughs) Um... Probably in Barcelona had some really beautiful ones. Actually, no, the little the little village that I spent most of my time in was Almost Day in Catalonia. And uh, they had these really pretty ones with, like, star patterns on them. Mm. So that might be... And they were really big. They're, like, as big as this table that's between us, which is, like, for people that can't see. <laughs> it's, like... It's, like, one and a half sizes bigger than your typical, like, American manhole cover. Oh, okay. You know, we see them every day. Did you learn anything unique about the function of what manhole covers do? Because I assume they go down to the sewer? (laughs) I don't know much. Yeah, they're just, they're, the access for workers from street level to, like, go down into sewers and things, but... I wasn't as much focusing on the function of them, so I didn't necessarily do a lot of research on their function because I was interested in turning them into fine art. Mm-hmm. So for my project, I learned this printmaking technique that's Japanese, and it's called guayutaku. It's what they they would make, like, impressions of fish with it. So you, like, to, like, save, like, the size and the detail of fish. Um, so they would, like, put... Japanese paper or washi paper like over the top and then you'd have this little like silk tool called a tampo which is really fun to say in front of an audience of people because they're like excuse me a tampon and you're like no similar but but different yeah and the tool that I had actually was pink because I'd use pink silk to make it so it was really fun just to like wave this weird little fleshy pink object around and be like this is a tampo anyways um and then you like dab ink on your tampo and then you dab it over some sort of textured surface and it like captures the pattern okay I wanted to use that with the manhole covers which is more of a fine art technique than what the Rob Dukudin was doing with the t-shirts and it's more environmentally friendly because she's actually putting ink on the covers and I like didn't want to do that sure but yeah so I had to like I worked with a local artist called Kathleen Rabble and like learned the technique and then did a bunch of printing here and then got funding to like go over to Spain and ended up like staying with a family um and out pairing for their children as like 
a way to like cover room and board and also just be more integrated into the culture. And then, yeah, I would just go out for the afternoon and I went to a bunch of different really beautiful towns along that like coastal area of Spain. We were like a two hour train ride from Barcelona. So I'd go there on the weekends. I went to all these little tiny towns like Raus and um, Tarragona and yeah. No. Now, do you did you go there knowing how to speak Spanish? No, um, it's <laughs> it's kind of funny how I ended up in Spain um, because my only other language is German, mm-hmm. and I don't have a lot of Spanish. But um, initially, we were going, or I was going with my choir um, to tour Paris and France, and we were ending in Spain. Mm-hmm. And with the funding that I got, it just made more sense to stay in Spain and not like buy another ticket and like plan this research project around that plus Barcelona is very well known for its architecture mm-hmm. and I just knew it was going to be a beautiful city and so I was really curious to see if the their manhole covers would also be beautiful because you you go there to see like Gaudi architecture but like you don't think about like what's under your feet other than cobblestones yeah <laughs> um when you were in France, did you were you able to make any prints there? I did make a couple, but I didn't end up including them mm. in like the final presentation just because it got too complicated, and so it was easier just to... Like, I also made some in different parts of the States, and I made one when I was in Atlanta for where I was presenting, um, but it just worked easier for the project and for people's comparison just to see like Spain and Bozeman and Montana. In Georgia, did they have peaches on theirs? I didn't see any with peaches. <laughs> they had some, they had a bunch at the university that had like gears on them because they were like... More of a tech school? Yeah. Okay. So there was a lot of that. I didn't see any peaches. I wonder if I would have gone to the Capitol or something, if there would have been more... Okay, so you were in mostly Catalonia. What were some of the things that you found interesting about the culture? And do you think you got treated differently either as an American or as an American woman? Honestly, I love Spain and very much would like to go back and I'm considering learning Spanish now because it's so lovely. Um, I mean, Barcelona is huge. And I ended up like going to a festival there and like meeting random people and I actually tindered to make friends and also lovers, but tindering was like one of the best things for me, at least to like meet people because, um, because I didn't speak the language and I was like staying with this little family in this little like mountain town. I was like very isolated. And so that was just an interesting thing that I didn't expect from traveling. Cause I had decided to travel alone for a month without people that I knew and in a country that I didn't necessarily know the language. So it was just like figuring out and how to make friends. Sure. And so, yeah, Tinder actually worked out really well because I could just put in, hey, looking to speak English, like, let's do things. Um, And so I made a couple friends in Barcelona that I would just crash at their apartments and then we'd go hang out for the weekend. Um, That sounds great. That sounds a lot I guess cleaner than just like going to a bar and seeing who's there, which is that's fine. Like yeah. a coffee shop or a bar. Which was intimidating to me not knowing the language because I mean you would go there, I guess, and order in broken Spanish and then people would know you couldn't speak Spanish, but they wouldn't necessarily know you didn't you spoke English. Sure. So it'd almost be like you'd have to just like throw some English out there and hope that someone came to talk to you. I really want to ask, like, what were the Tinder experiences like? 
I want some little hot goss. I was going to say, they're a little bit racy, so I don't know if you want. I mean, my favorite one, this is still my favorite sexual encounter that I've ever had. Um, and Barcelona is known for its erotic scene, too, which I found out after I went home. So, okay, backtracking. The funny thing about this project is uh, I'm known as the vagina artist, and the rest of my work like revolves around genitals and female empowerment and like normalizing sexuality and so Mm -hmm. for this specific research project i ended up focusing on like manhole covers which one of my professors is like you do realize how ironic it is as the vagina artist that you're doing a project on manholes i guess that is not lost on me (laughs) so i actually was going to ask like is there something sexual i don't know about manhole covers i don't know and i was like i had to do a little blurb before or like a little disclaimer when I gave my talk because I was like I'm for trans like just to like do a, a kind of a shout out of like realizing that these were gendered and like masculine mm. but also this is the most common name that we have for them and it's just the easiest one to say and a couple like towns are starting to like rename them as like utility covers or like there's I don't know there's just different names but the this is the most familiar name and I wanted people to like connect with what I was talking about and so I did do a little blurb where I was like I'm the vagina artist I'm talking about manhole covers like yes I understand this but yeah so then it was interesting later after I left Barcelona I learned that it's actually a huge hub of like an erotic scene Mm-hmm. So, like, um, feminist-forward, like, porn filmmakers that work there, and there's, like, an erotic festival, like, three weeks after Sounds I fun. left, and so, yeah, I very much want to go back. <laughs> I want to learn about the erotic festival. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyways, all of that to say, one of my favorite Tinder interactions was I matched with this British model who was living in Barcelona, and I, he had, like, super liked me. And I was like, this is totally a mistake. Do you see his, like, his abs and the way he's, like, posing in really good lighting? I mean, you're and a babe, then, too. Own it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but then I, like, got a message from him, and we started chatting, and I had, like, looked at his Tinder profile, and it said, if you have armpit hair, I'm probably already in love with you. And I was like, so did you super like me because I have pit hair? And he was like, oh, I'm so glad you brought it up because I didn't want to be creepy. <laughs> I ended up finding this model in Barcelona who had a fetish for armpit hair. Huh. And we went to the erotic museum together and then went back to his apartment and, like, fucked. And he had me, like, put his arms above my head. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool and all. Tell me more about the erotic museum. Because <laughs> this is not a thing that you would find in America. Actually, we have would you? four of them. Four of them? Okay. It's one in California. I don't remember. I know there's one in Vegas, and I know there's one in New York. And I really oh. wanted to go to the one in New York because it's hu- it's on human sexuality. And there's, like, a leather one in Vegas. Hmm. Um, there's also a food museum in New York that I missed out on this year. So I need to fix that. <laughs> I mean, you can't combine your food and your sex, too. Mm-hmm. So you could, like... You absolutely can. <laughs> and I feel like that would be a great, like, combo. Yeah. Double museum right there. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, sorry, but um, the the one in Barcelona. Yeah, so I don't know if this one was necessarily themed. It had a lot of like ancient Japanese like erotic prints, which were really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you ever look those up, they're very strange. I'm just gonna say that. But uh, 
and it had like some 20s porn like the very first porn that they like ever filmed Mm -hmm. which was like just very awkward and there was like no foreplay and it was very strange i don't know i'm digressing but it was actually really lovely for me as the vagina artist to like experience these different erotic museums and um realizing that there's like i think nine worldwide and so that's now my new bucket list is to hit all the erotic museums in the world cool i think there's like two in germany which i find hilarious like out of the nine i forget which country it's a european country that's very stoic but they have two of the world's like sex museums (laughs) there are many thoughts there (laughs) (laughs) i know i can see you processing so it's just waiting Well, I, okay, I guess since we're already on this this stream of thought, with erotic museums, I mean, the word erotic, I just assumed as kind of along with like fetishes and kinks and, and uh, BDSM and that kind of stuff. But you also said that it's about reproduction or um, I guess, or possibly even just relationships. Are they all under just that one big umbrella of erotic? Yeah, so especially in America... Um, because sex is such a taboo topic, everything's like erotic. Because the has Puritans to do ruined us all. Sex, yeah. <laughs> so like, I mean, I guess the one in Barcelona was a little bit kinky, in that you could like buy some weird toys in the little gift shop, and they showed some like different. They had like this thing that you, it was like a bicycle, and you'd pedal it, and then a dildo would go into your vagina. <laughs> So they did have some weird, like, mach- like sex machines, which was really interesting. <laughs> Just anything to do with sex. Kinda. Hmm. Yeah. And they did have, they did have some, um, the fuck is his name? He's a, a surrealist painter, and he's Gaudi's friend. See, this is where I should, like, research things before podcasts, because specifics are really hard for me. I had no idea what we were going to get, like, going to end up here. I should have just reviewed my life and been like, okay, good. (laughs) Um, Salvador Dali. Oh, okay. They had a couple paintings by Salvador Dali um, that were considered, like, erotic just because they had, like, female, or, yeah, mostly female. Female is usually the body that's eroticized. Sure. Just, like, in weird contorted positions. So, that was fun to see, but... Yeah. Um, That was my most, like, tasty tidbit of, like, a Tinder experience, but, like... Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah. (laughs) I also, like, made a a friend who we were also... He was, like, the longest, like, lover that I had while I was in Spain, but he was, like, a really good um, tour guide and, like, took me out on his motorcycle into the mountains and took me to Cambrils to eat seafood and, like... So that was really nice, but... Do you think you were treated any differently there? As a female traveler? Or just... Yeah. I mean, I genuinely don't know much about Spain, other than, like, the gastronomic food of it. Yeah. um, And the study of gastronomy. Um, But as, like, a culture... Yeah, and and how they treat women. I'm just curious if there's anything there. Yeah. um, I went there not really knowing a lot and so I didn't really have I didn't know what to expect um but honestly like Spanish culture and to clarify I was in Catalonia and so Catalonia is like removed from Spain and they've tried to get their own independence Mm -hmm. so most of the culture that I was interacting with and this was the other reason why even like the bit of like travel Spanish that I had 
wasn't necessarily helpful, and I couldn't pick up any Spanish while I was there because they were always speaking Catalan. Can you tell me about what the government is like in Spain? It's kind of tricky right now. Like, well, and I was in Catalonia, so they consider themselves their own country, save their own like language and culture and food. And Spain is actually like a kingdom. Like, there's actually like a monarchy. Which is weird because you don't think that that's still a thing because they're also part of the UK. But yeah, like about six months before I went there in like the I guess it was the fall before the summer I went there. They actually like tried to like put it up for a vote to like secede Mm -hmm. as from Spain as like their own country. And I don't know, like it was really interesting to like talk to the family that I was living with about it because they had like. They were afraid that Spain wasn't going to let them vote. So they had like spent the night in schools where are that where their polls were and police did show up like militarized police and like beat people up and like tear gas them and like the UN didn't do anything about it. And why does Spain care so much about keeping Catalonia? Um, So Catalonia has like Barcelona and Tarragona, which are both like port towns cities i guess and then barcelona is also like huge tourists and it's also like a huge place for like architecture mm-hmm. and art and it has the Palace de gracia so i don't know it's like it's very like monetarily beneficial that spain keeps catalonia and catalonia doesn't want to pay like the expensive like kingdom taxes and they want to be recognized by like the un okay. as their own culture and they don't just want to be like what's the word I want just like absorbed into Spain yeah the fear would be that they would become absolved by the Spanish culture rather than the Catalonian culture yeah and they do have their own culture like it's very strong like they have their own like fire festival they have their own flag it's like yellow and red striped and all the new like uh, free Catalonia ha- has the addition of like a sideways blue triangle with a star. So like I got one of the pins while I was there. So it's like free Catalonia. Um, but yeah, they have a very, very strong sense of self and culture. And like any single like Catalonian person you talk to there will like, like be really fiery and passionate about Catalonia. Rewinding a little, what is the fire festival? Oh, and I, w- I wish I remember the name of it. It's something like pan or something. It's it's a uh, hundreds and hundreds of year old tradition, and it's so cool. And it happened while I was there. But it's basically each town has their own demon, so like each town will construct their own like monster demon thing. Uh, almost day where I was at had this half man, half Satan thing that they had like created and then there's like three people in it so then they can like parade it around and then everyone else is like little devils and so you they would make these like they kind of look like jesters maybe from like medieval Mm -hmm. times and like red and white and like these kind of crazy hats and it was made with like fiery tarnit material and then they have like these dances where they would like dance around with like fire and it's really cool like i don't think i'm doing it justice to explain it but like is it Catholic or pagan? It's definitely pagan. Okay. <laughs> it's very pagan. Um, I don't think the Catholics would dress up like demons. Um, they did wear a lot of red. This is true. I don't know if it's... I don't know. I didn't expect to talk about this, so I didn't like look, re-look up the history because I don't <laughs> necessarily remember its origins, but I know that like each 
town would do their own celebration. And so I, and then they would come together in Barcelona and do one huge one. So each little Catalan town would bring their demon and like, you just have the streets of Barcelona would just be filled with people and like just townsfolks that weren't necessarily dancers could like buy like you buy like fire retardant hat and coat and then you could just stand there and like jump up and down while there's just like fire over your head and wow yeah so I wasn't there for that I was only there for like the the local celebration but a couple of the friends I made were like dancers in it because it's like a routine like you have to like train and you can like apply to do it and it's like a sense of or like a source of pride like I think you have to be 12 to like start auditioning to be like a fire dancer I love that it reminds me a lot of the uh the town mascots in Japan Mm -hmm. um and I definitely think that America needs more town mascots just as a thing that'd be very fun to see that would be very fun Okay, uh, <laughs> so back to your trip, personally. Where I was going with this. Oh, um, they were just very, very friendly, very down-to-earth, very open. Um, I would be on buses alone a lot, or just walking alone a lot to, like, different smaller towns. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never once experienced harassment. I didn't really feel unsafe. And granted, there's also, like, it's a big... Or, like, there's just a lot of people around. Like, Spain just has people everywhere. So even when I would, like, go into the mountains, you wouldn't really... You'd see people more than you would, like, in Montana. Mm -hmm. Because we actually have wildernesses and, like... Less of that isolation. Yeah, it's a more tame country. It feels very tame and very safe. Um, And so, like, yeah, like, I went to a music festival by myself. And that's the first time I'd ever done that. I don't know if I'd do that in America. But, like, yeah. yeah... I don't know. And I really love the people there and they're really hospitable and like the friends that I would make that were my age, they would just kind of like bring me along with them and like the like usually in a group of like 10 people there'd be two people with enough English to actually like hang out with me, but everyone was like super sweet and like down and they were like here, come to this like thing we're having and let us show you about this fire festival that we partake in. They were just like really excited to like share their culture and also yeah I don't know like the amount of like harassment that I as a woman experience in America and what I make a lot of my work out of I didn't get a lot of good content in Spain (laughs) because my my experience in Spain was pretty good um yeah one of the interesting things I noted about the men though is that they like they're they are not emotionally suppressed like the men in America are. So like as little kids, because I spent a lot of time around little kids because I was like out pairing, mm-hmm. and they were like the boys were allowed to like kiss their guy friends on the cheek or like have cuddle puddles or cry or I don't know. It was just like very interesting to see how healthy it was that they were allowed to like express their emotions. Mm-hmm. And then I would interact with the men who had like grown up doing that and they're like oh yeah like I've tried sleeping with a dude wasn't my thing I'm definitely straight and I was like oh that was so easy like it wasn't like this huge like hush hush thing they were just like yeah it was yeah and then they were just much more like emotionally open and there wasn't any of that toxic masculine masculinity wow wow excuse me um yeah that sounds like you had a wonderful trip. Ooh, another thing I want to throw in, which I don't know, you can cut out whatever is just long no, and rambly. No, no, no. Go for it, yeah. <laughs> but another thing with, like, 
harassment as being a woman or just like being a woman in Spain in general is boobs are like not a big deal there. You're literally my hero. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm just saying like all the you all the locals would go to the beach topless, mm -hmm. men and women. Like that was just what you did. The desexualization of nipples. Yes. yes. And I yell at our yes. coworkers at work about it all the time. Because yes, I'm yes, like, yes. nipples are not always <laughs> female breasts are not always sexual. <laughs> so that was really cool. And it was just like one of the things that struck me and I was like, America sucks because like they're they're nipples. They're boobs. They're mm -hmm. they're breasts. They feed babies. Like it's fine that I can wander around without a shirt on and no one's just gonna want to have sex with me because it's not how that works <laughs> and so that was cool and one of the things that I like think about sometimes back here and will like have conversations with people was that most about. beaches that's all beaches okay so they also have nude beaches yeah but which just means the like, bottoms come off yeah okay and like everyone can be naked and even their little girls or like children up until like 10 are still running around naked like i was like surprised like i was talking about mad one the oldest of the three kids that i was watching i think it was a 10 or 11 and i was talking with my spanish mama maria about it and she was like i was like oh i just like commented about her running around naked and she was like well yeah because she's a little kid and i was like oh, like, my little sisters are about her same age and they have to wear training bras. And she was like, but she's the little girl. And I was like, well, I know, but, like, she's got, like, the little breast buds. And so, like, in America, you'd have to, like, cover that Start and, like, covering. wear a bra. And she was like, your country's messed up. I was like, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I don't know. What, and then you wonder, like, why we have, like, a sexualization of child or, like... A problem mm. of sexualizing children because we just as soon as they're even old enough mm. to be as you said what was that little baby buds little breast buds little breast that's buds that's what they're called and that's <laughs> yeah no that's messed up this is kind of an annoying story that i keep in my back pocket but in about the 1930s um up until then, both men and women had to cover their chests to be on the beach yeah, in America. Yeah, I definitely knew that. Yeah, and then, like, a whole bunch of men got together, and they were like, we don't want to wear shirts at the beach. And they freaking got together and passed a bill so they don't have to do that anymore. And I was like, all right, I get it. Y'all were trying to get the vote. <laughs> like, you had a lot on your plate, but we couldn't have gotten that, too. <laughs> that uh, would have been so nice. There's an artist on Instagram that makes these this little like comic strip of like men like donating their nipples yeah. so that women can sew them on and like run around outside without <laughs> shirts on <laughs> sounds um, like a good thing for women with mastectomies to yeah. get a male nipple back well you can so this is definitely a side trail but there are like nipple pasties that you can buy so sometimes when you get top surgery or mastectomies, like, your nipples will fall off mm -hmm. if they don't, like, stay properly. And so then you can get these little pasties that look like nipples and then you hmm. can feel all pretty again or, yeah. Match an image in your head. Yeah. yeah. Cool. That's good to know. Yeah, so that was just one thing that I took back to America and will have mildly heated conversations with people about when they're, like, making comments about female breasts in an overly sexual manner. Yeah. And I'm like, they're not always sexual. I mean, sometimes they are, and that's really hot. But, like, yeah. Uh, free the nipple. Any other last thoughts? No, I don't know. It was, it was nice to verbally relive my summer. <laughs> 
Hello, and thank you for listening. If you've got a minute and want to check it out, we have a new website called womentravelpodcast.com. Women is spelled with an X. On there, you can chat, you can send in a message of something that's a wonder in the world to you. We'll be back February 1st with a new episode. In the meantime, happy travels.